Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey, George. Hey, Lions. How's it going? It's going good. I, uh, I thought a lot about how to open this episode until it occurred to me that there's nothing that I could say about Donkey Kong Country that's funnier than the Donkey Kong Country TV show. So (laughs) that exists and is the funniest Donkey Kong Country related thing that there may ever be. You see, I thought for sure you were going to start it off with some kind of a Donkey Kong rap related thing. Because you know what? Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish because motherfuckers like they forgot about DK. So what do you say to some game that you hate or any bad memories they bring to your way? Want to resolve things in an amicable way? Just cue up a tape of old nostalgia goggles today. (laughs) How much time did you spend on that? Too much. (laughs) More more than I would like to admit. (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. No, because you you texted me before and it's like it all has to be in rap. And I was like, well, I can't I can't just let that hang. Yeah. This you've now given me a lot of uh, anxiety over how serious my words are. It's like, am I I that superhero whose words like have magical force behind them? No, you have tune power because only when it's funny. Yes. This is, this just has to be canon. Um, (laughs) No, that's not a canon. This is a canon. Yes. Okay. So uh, we played Donkey Kong country, the original Donkey Kong country. Uh, And I say that because while grabbing the Wikipedia link for this, um, I learned that this game was remade for the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advanced. Hmm. Yeah. The more you know. I mean, I know it was re-released later, but there was actually like a port, which is weird. But we played the Super Nintendo one, the right one. Yeah, the SNES one. And uh, yeah, so so what were your what was your nostalgia experience for this? So this is. Oh, sorry. Uh, November 1994. Um, this is a game that came out uh, at a time November of 1994. Well, yeah, no, but at a time where I had um, pretty much all of my like exposure through of like Super Nintendo games through Brian. Like he mm-hmm. just loaned me tons of games. Like the I don't think the blockbuster near my house had been built until like just near the end of this time. So like. I was borrowing games from him all the time because he was super generous with his library. And I remember like always dipping back into this game and just being like, Oh, I don't, I don't really know. You know, Brian said I could borrow a game. Like, I don't really know what I want to play. I just play Donkey Kong country. And like, I didn't, I don't think I really understood at the time that this game had gone into a bucket in my mind, similar to a super Mario world or a mega man X, right? Like a super Nintendo game that was a platformer that was just, supremely dippable like you could just reach in and if you played any random level right you could start a new save or you could play a random level in the middle or toward the end and have like a super fun time and then if you didn't finish it that was fine if you started a new save but you didn't 100% it that was fine like it was just the stakes felt really low right just kind of like again like Super Mario World or Mega Man X like I I've played those games a lot more than I've beaten those games because I would just 
dip in, play a little bit and like, and be happy, like be satisfied with that. Not walk away because I was frustrated, but just, oh, there's this other game I want to play. There's this other thing I got to do. So I just like, I, I don't think I really realized until this round, like going back to play it again, that this game occupied that space in my memory, which left me wondering where it fell out. Right. Because mm. if you had asked me a couple of weeks ago, like, oh, what are some Super Nintendo games that you just like dip into? I could have given you a list, but this one I do not think would have been on it. And now I'm like, when did it fall off of that list? Because it was <laughs> on it. Right. So that that's kind of the, the thing I've been struggling with is I have super strong nostalgia goggles for this game. But at the same time, I don't know when it fell off my list of of like top top 20 greatest hits right I, I guess this is what happens when it's like every radio station is like 80s 90s and today but what they mm -hmm. meant was 80s 90s and 2000s but now we're going into <laughs> the 2020s so it's like 80s 90s and the last 30 years <laughs> yeah yeah no that's interesting um i uh for me personally this was a game that a friend of mine owned who i was friends with so this was my dad's friend's son so like we were friends but we didn't hang out all the time because they actually were in venice florida and we lived not in venice florida um but uh you know it was about two hours away so we would see them you know once every so often and this was a game that he had and um and i just remember like it was again it was a staple that we just went over there and played and man if you could get to king k rule like that was that was awesome. It normally meant that that we were left to our own devices for longer than we probably should have been. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, to this day, before replaying this game, to this day, I could have hummed for you the King K. Roll theme song because it's so good. Like I do not know why that just you know the the way it starts off is like the kind of yo ho ho you know like stuff, and then it kind of like turns and and gets like super intense. Ah oh, man. And, you know, I don't, I don't know why that has stuck with me, but that's stuck with me hard. Now, and, and I will also have glowing things to say when we get to the music, but like that's, th that I think is a, a, an hors d'oeuvre to the thickness of what were certainly my nostalgia goggles. And it sounds like is also your nostalgia goggles because there, oh, there's yeah. some deep, deep roots on this in, no. in our memories. No, I'm going to be eating a lot of those horse devourers because those are... <laughs> deep in my mind i just wanted to real really wanted an excuse to say horse devourers now go on get up and eat that horse <laughs> um so before we you jump eat in, that horse with me vegeta <laughs> before we jump into visuals uh i want to uh you know throw a shout out thank you for you know followers and patreon subscribers and coffee leavers and twitter and twitch people um the twitch people uh in particular are probably thinking to themselves, uh, you've been playing a lot of Halo lately. Um, and I have, because I have a limited subscription to uh, the Xbox game service. So I've actually been playing through the original Halo because I never played it before and I always wanted to. Um, but I did stream this entire game. I did stream the entirety of Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> you've been playing Halo? The original Halo. Oh, I know it's it's but it, it's just it's one of those things that I was like oh I have an opportunity for a dollar and 99 cents to put yeah. this piece of gaming history like into my personal first-hand experience so I I also streamed all of Donkey Kong Country so Nostalgia Goggle stuff is still happening over there but 
That's fine. But That's people fine. also got to fair, watch me be really bad at Halo because I'm really bad at first person shooters. And to be fair, I mean, like this is definitely this is my nostalgia experience of Halo, which is that just all of the 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 bros, the, you know, would be like, "Oh, you're in the gaming." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm really in the gaming." They're like, "I like Halo," and it's like, "Oh, well, I, I, don't, I don't really play play Halo." And then they'd be like, "Oh," and then they just like crap all over you. So like, and you're like, <laughs> "I played Halo. I just had this immediate like." revulsion but then i was like no walk it back like you know it's all it's all just be human and be cool with each other so so that's on me but yeah no i definitely when you're like i played halo it's like are you playing madden now too like what are you doing yeah no that's uh more appropriate than you think because and i swear to god we'll get back to the episode in a second um so uh, will we because if you're playing madden (laughs) no i'm not but in my uh in my my work slack we have like a video games channel and Mm -hmm. uh one of the uh, one of my coworkers literally said, I think I'm the only person here who's willing to admit they play Madden. But if anyone else plays, I'm looking, <laughs> I've been looking for somebody to play with. Cause like my other buddy is like, you know, unavailable or whatever. And it was just like, you know, cause this guy's like in his forties, but you can, right. you can just tell that no matter how old you get, if you grew up in the eighties and nineties, there's still certain franchises, right? And like we had the opposite thing when we were kids. It's like you didn't want to just go up to some some bro with an Xbox controller and be like, "Hey, you guys want to play Dungeons and Dragons?" Right? Because <laughs> they had a stigma against us, right? So like, yep. I, I'm totally with you. Believe me, it is super weird to hold an Xbox controller and play Halo. But the point is, if you were watching me on Twitch, I was also streaming Donkey Kong Country. Good, good. So, uh, visuals? They're so weird. <laughs> the visuals in this game are so weird. It's like Clay Fighter. It is. No, I mean, like, that's literally, I, I wrote down, animation style is odd. It looks like cutouts or claymation. It's, it's really super, it's not bad. Like, I enjoy it, but it, it is, I can't think of another game that looks like this. So, other than like Clay Fighter, which is yeah. bad. You know? so, so here's the thing. I, I don't know if Clay Fighter and Donkey Kong Country made use of the same technique, but I can tell you, because I, I just happen to know, what Donkey Kong Country is doing is they fully rendered 3D models of all of the characters and then said, there is no possible way we can make the Super Nintendo display these. So what they did is they rendered the 3D models on hardware that could power them, and then they literally drew over them with pixels. So what you're seeing is a best attempt at using 2D pixel sprites to display what is actually a 3D model, which is why everything has that kind of weird round shading and kind of pseudo awkwardness to it because they were trying to duplicate what we would now think of as like a smooth curve with even consistent shading and lighting, which they obviously couldn't do. And they didn't have enough pixels to fake. So it creates that weird clay plastic. Everything is, you know, Toy Story one and clay fighter, which to be fair, they did it way better than games like clay fighter did, but that that's why it feels like that because it is supposed to be 3d and it's really not. So, in, okay, th- this is going to sound a little tangential, but I promise it'll come back because we're already on like 50 tangents. And this is probably going to be a popular one because this is a popular game. So, <laughs> guys, we normally go on tangents. This is not, not necessarily this much. Um, 
if you want to watch other shows, which you should, and like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Uh, so, so one of the things that uh, was on John Oliver at one point was the um, because he was talking about Boris Johnson, and there was a part where Boris Johnson was very awkwardly talking about how he likes to make buses. You know? Um, oh yeah, I remember that. That yeah. was weird, right? That was weird. And so you know, John Oliver hypothesized that you know that could have been a ploy to make it so that way when you Google. Uh, Boris Johnson bus, it brings up that weird clip, not the giant bus that was factually incorrect that they drove around, right? You know, so it was kind of like a, a, a red herring. So I said all that to say, um, I tried to figure out what they were doing with the animation in, <laughs> in this game. So I googled Donkey Kong animation, and it brought up the TV show. <laughs> Like just droves and droves of the TV show, and um, and a part of me was like, did they make the TV show so that way we couldn't figure out what screwy stuff they did with the video <laughs> games animation? You know, because that's all anybody wants to talk about with DK animation, with good reason. That show is bananas, but but I mean, like at the same point in time, I couldn't I couldn't figure out all of that stuff that you just said because I couldn't delve deep enough through all of the Michigas of the show to figure out what was going on with the animation. Yeah. And it, I mean, even once, you know, that's what's happening. You, you kind of have to have a high regard for game developers and the artists that make the visuals to like, let that be a sufficient response. Right. Cause I mean, if, if someone says like, Oh, this is a, this table's from Ikea. You can barely tell that it's actually made of garbage and it's been spray painted to look <laughs> like wood. It's like, no, I, I can tell. I can I can actually see all of the garbage. It's like, no, no, it's look at how convincing the wood finish is, right? Because for me, like someone who has a fair amount of understanding about it, when I look at it, I'm like, this is awkward and I can see why they didn't continue to push this art style since they just went 3d only like a couple of years later but mm -hmm. it it it's incredible like that they hand animated all of these you know smoothly computer animated 3d models into 2d sprites like it's it doesn't look amazing like it it looks awkward and it hasn't aged terribly well but it the the craft that went into it like you can tell they were trying to do the best they could with incredibly limited hardware. They really wanted it to look and feel three-dimensional. They wanted the trees to look and feel like they're behind you, but that the, you know, the palm fronds are like coming towards you off of the tree. They really wanted that 3d look that the super Nintendo was just, I mean, think about how star Fox looked right They They were not prepared yeah. to do 3d on the super Nintendo, but but even knowing all of that, I'm still like, it looks pretty weird, though. Like, it's it's kind of awkward. So I can't imagine how someone who either doesn't understand any of that or doesn't care about any of that must just be like, I either like it or I don't. Right. They, they're right. Because it's it's they're a polarizing visual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that that speaking of weird visuals. Um, so the main map has people's faces on it for each level it does right? it does and so that's fine you know i mean the main map is very reminiscent of like a super mario world and actually a lot of this game is very reminiscent of super mario world which makes sense um you know but that being said is that it's like they you know what it is this game is very much so the season one of star trek next generation <laughs> in that it's 
it's not TOS, but it's still kind of trying to be TOS because it hasn't figured out what's its thing yet, you know? So, like, it's got a lot of good stuff there. And then later on, like, it figures out, and it's like, this is our thing now, and it's awesome. You know, but this is, like, that weird kind of, like, huh, why, why'd, you, why'd you do that? So, um, so yeah, very rem- reminiscent of Super Mario World. But uh, the faces were in and of themselves fine. I could have dealt with them as icons if they weren't slowly gumming at me all of the time. There, that, There is a constant, awkwardly paced animation. <laughs> there is. And it's just, and, and, and it's, and in this case, the animation is too fluid because nobody moves their mouths like that and that constantly in that slow rhythm. Yeah, exactly. Just, I mean, it looks, it, it, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> it, it all, it all looks like, um, uh, like if you had a Donkey Kong at like a, uh, uh, putt-putt golf you know oh thing, where right? yeah where it opens and closes yeah where it opens and closes <laughs> its mouth like that's the pacing behind it but it just looks weird to have like you know funky kong you know just slowly opening and closing his mouth behind what i assume are dead eyes behind the sunglasses you know like it's just <laughs> it's weird and again i would have just been fine with the tokenized like this is a gator world you have yet to conquer it this is you know dixie kong and this is you know funky kong or whatever you know cranky kong but the fact that they're just like it's like no they have to be animated it's like well, what are we gonna have them do it's like have them slowly open and close their mouths have them struggle to get peanut butter off the roof of their mouth but not want people <laughs> in the room to know that they ate the last of the peanut butter <laughs> have them have them struggle to get peanut butter off of their mouths but they're the, the the dog that got into the peanut butter and now they're trying to like not let you know that they got into the peanut butter so they're just shame shame licking <laughs> so i i think what you have given a really terrible negative example of is <laughs> something they tried to do throughout and i'm actually i'm glad you mentioned that because i didn't I didn't make a note of that, but I did remember noticing it. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like what they tried to do throughout is make everything in the character models, uh, you know, heroes and enemies, really expressive. There's a lot mm. of big, you know, cartoony monkey arm movements. There's a lot of big eyes and big mouth movements. There's a lot of, you know, like Diddy Kong throws his hat when you lose a mini game and he like jumps up and down on it and when you hit in a boss, like they, their eyes like pop and their mouth drops open. Like there's a lot of really big expressive animations. And when you take that down to like the, the game board, that is the overworld map, you lose the function of that, right? (laughs) Because I don't really need that kind of expressive character animation in that little Right, like maybe they could have made like you know maybe Candy Kong like winks it at the camera and maybe Funky Kong like has his big like toothy smile and Cranky Kong looks like he's you know his little head's like rocking back and forth in the the rocking chair or something. But to just have them all be like, nom, nom, <laughs> is, yeah, and it's it's weird. And I would definitely agree with you that the, the faces are wildly more expressive than you know uh, it, it's it's more cartoony, not as cartoony as the cartoon that they did of this. But uh, but it is it is definitely very cartoony. Um, one of the things that they do that we kind of mentioned uh, for other games, but I want to give give credit to this one as well, is um, you know the the different the 
palette swapping and different monsters like the the all of the the bad guys all operate the same way every time and they do all look unique enough it's not just palette swapping like they do have different armor or a different kind of look or feel but you can immediately visually look at a bad guy and you know exactly how they're going to move and thus how to approach it you know so um so a lot of games do that this game i think employed it particularly well because you know they have so many different uh levels with uh so many different like palettes and all sort of stuff and it all seemed to kind of come together well thematically and uh and you know and I thought that that was uh, was well done. See, I, I was pro on the level appearance variety um, because, like, there's a, a lake level, you know, like your typical crappy underwater swimming, go kill yourself Ooh. level. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I mean, which, uh... which which is all blue, and then later you're in like a polluted lake level, and that one the water is green, and it's there's a lot of subtle things like you're in a factory that has like the lights on and then later you're in like kind of a messed up factory and like the lights flicker and they don't work quite right. So there's, there's a lot of the same art assets being used just a little differently, right? Like not mm-hmm. quite palette swapping, but like a slight, I mean, sometimes palette swapping, but like, you know, a slightly different deployment of like how this art asset or how this theming is used. And I enjoyed that variety quite a bit because as you get, closer to uh king k rule from the you know joy and and peace of what's it his his house has like a little name it's like yeah kong's cottage or something like that um yeah so like as you get away from safety toward danger like the world feels less natural right he lives in a cabin in the trees and you go into like factories and stuff and it's like it gets you know more polluted and more dangerous and and i like that the enemies felt just on the like bad side of not enough variety. Like I, I noticed that the palace swapping didn't really bother me because it's like, oh, that enemy is going to move in this way and behave in that way. And mechanically, that visual information is super helpful. But there were a few times where I was just like, what is this thing doing here? Why is this thing in this area? I understand right. the theming of this area, but I also saw that thing out in the jungle and I also saw it underwater. And I like, what are you doing here? And, and it's not, it's not experience breaking, but there, there is something like there, there's just, just a dearth enough of variety that I noticed it, right? Like the, the visual information that's communicated is good. The way the enemies look is great, right? Every single enemy sprite is as lovingly crafted as Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong are, which is probably why there isn't a huge variety. Cause I'll bet that took for friggin' ever to loving, <laughs> lovingly animate all of those different sprites by hand over the top of 3d renders. But I just, I wanted just like a tiny bit more variety. Just, you know, when, when they're in the snow level, you know, put like a little scarf around their neck or a little stocking cap on just something to make it look like they belong there because I'm out of place. I am on this grand journey, but they're supposed to be there. They are the obstacles in these areas between me and my objective. Right. You're going into their home and ripping them out of it. Yes. You know, and you're the hero. And any, right. (laughs) And even (laughs) for, you know, because a lot of the enemies are soldiers, right? So like, Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, but they're that's not where they're supposed to be. They're deployed there to stop you from getting your horde back. And it's like, yeah, but then they would still be like dressed in like winter garb in the winter area, right? Or they would still, you know, look yeah. 
look they're like soldiers, they're, yeah. yeah, look like they're supposed to be in whatever area they're in. So there, there was just, it's it's not it's not experience ruining. It's not like oh my god, this is so embarrassing for rare. Oh my god, it's just it was like <laughs> it was just a shortage, just enough of a shortage of variety that I was like, eh. Yeah, and to be fair, like my my thing wasn't. I, I would agree with you that there's not as much variety because I mean, you know, even even as you were talking about, it, I was thinking I was like, well, you know, Super Mario World didn't have. Oh wait, no, Super Mario World had a tremendous amount of variety <laughs> to the point where like the entire credits is eaten up by like all of the different monsters that they had. So I was like, no, no, it can be done um, and done well. So uh, so yeah, I, I would agree with that. I just think that they did a good job on you know basically using using some palette swapping with bad guys so that way you know how they'll behave mechanically. Um, that being said, uh, this is off of visual slightly, but something I kind of wanted to touch on. So you're, you're, you're the bad guy, right? I, I mean, I mean th- this is, this is the story of every platformer is that, <laughs> and, and you know what it is? It's because every game that has a story like this has the same problem that, the rich, powerful leader of one faction did mm-hmm. something to the rich, powerful leader of another faction. And to get back at the bad guy, rich, powerful leader, the good guy, rich, powerful leader has to kill all of his subordinates. Right. Because yep. that, that's if you could just go straight up to King K. Rool and be like, dude, give me back my bananas and then smack him in the face and take your bananas back. It'd be like, yeah, he stole his bananas. Of course he deserves to take them back. But the fact that you have to murder dozens or hundreds of his employees to smack him and take your bananas back. Like, yeah, this is a lot of video games and stories in general suffer from this. Well, especially ones where where they don't hinge on narrative, but actually I was going to go a little bit, a little bit deeper on that. So yes, (laughs) agreed. Um, You know, that that is typically is, is, is war is old men talking and young men dying. So um, dark, so anyways, but uh also street. So but no, what I'm saying though is that like okay, so Donkey Kong had like this unconscionable horde of bananas because you beat several mini bosses that have their own what is your horde, like section of your horde, right? And so all of that is yours and then plus that plus the fact that as you're going through the levels, there are bananas everywhere that you are recollecting that would were arguably also part of your horde, right? So you were the Scrooge McDuck of, you know, all of these bananas, right? So then King K. Rule, seeing that, you know, there was one person who had like a disproportionate sum of bananas, said, okay, I'm going to take all of the bananas, right? I am then going to put them into distribution hubs and then distribute them around the land, right? For, for everyone to have, right? So realistically, this is more of a story about run amok capitalism versus socialism <laughs> than... Don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> I'm just saying that there's some uh, there's some some political meta commentary clearly baked into this SNES game. I mean, obviously, this is what the creators at Rare were trying to comment on. So, yes, definitely. So at the <laughs> at the risk of sounding like a uh, uh, you know who is John Galt supporter, um, the the impression that i have of donkey kong's horde is that he personally collected all of those bananas and not he didn't take them from other people like he went out into the world and collected what seems to be a nearly infinite supply of bananas but he did the work to hoard them because 
Donkey Kong loves him some bananas. So you, you one could argue, and I'm not making this argument, but one could argue that King K. Rool is still the villain because he lets someone else do all the work. And that, cause that's now, this is not capitalism versus socialism. This is capitalism versus communism is he, mm. he let someone do all the work and then came in and seized it and redistributed it to people who were not willing to go out and collect their own bananas or even to be part of a system of banana distribution, right? Because when you go to take the bananas back from like <laughs> <A> system <laughs> banana distribution, when you, when you go to take the bananas back, like they all put up a serious fight, which means oh, yeah. they are now claiming ownership to something that not only was given to them, but they know was stolen from someone else. So now here's okay. So, I'm going to probably in in the same way that I spent too much of my personal time coming up with a donkey donkey Kong M and M rap. I'm now going to go back to my fortress of solitude here and and wonder. Okay, so I want to calculate exactly the approximate number of bananas in Donkey Kong's hoard, right? So, and here's why: because the average life of a banana from being you know like that size to being rotten. Right, it's like what two weeks on the outside. I, I mean, yeah, I guess. I I don't know if it would be different in various conditions, but probably not dramatically. Right. So, so the rate at which Donkey Kong must be seizing these bananas in order to create such a horde in such a small amount of time that has not already gone south, and then to say like, okay, you know, again, yes, it is definitely King K. Rule seizing it, but. Donkey Kong had a horde of bananas that there's no way he could have eaten before they all went south, before they all went bad, right? So realistically, even though he was using military force to take away <laughs> Donkey Kong's property, that property would have represented a substantial damage to the local economy because Donkey Kong was basically going to throw that investment away at like, you know, uh silver supplements for the coronavirus you know like like he was he was just already on the phone with the televangelist saying like yeah take all take all my bananas you know so so i'm wondering if that's not the greater good to say like well you know you you weren't even going to eat all of these they were just all going to go bad i mean now we are back to socialism versus capitalism because <laughs> Right. It, it's like, it's not that I don't want you to have these things. It's just that you can't possibly go through this. You have more money than one person could ever spend. You have more bananas than one Kong could ever eat in their lifetime, or in this case, before they spoil. Right. And, and, and then, you know, you can say like, oh, well, he wanted to pass on those bananas to his progeny. And since those bananas had already been taxed, then he shouldn't. Okay, but anyways, back to visuals. Um, that was as good a place to shoehorn that in as yeah. anywhere. Part of me is wondering um, if anyone could even begin to guess what our actual politics are based on this. I'm not sure that they could. No, right. Um, so I want to talk about the hitbox. All about the bananas. Okay. <laughs> it's all about bananas. And the reason I want to talk about the hitbox is because uh, I mentioned the super expressive animations. And mm -hmm. the place that that can backfire sometimes is on the hitbox. Because if you look very carefully, the hitbox is programmed to be very generous. But because the animations are so expressive, sometimes your animation and the you know collision, the thing you're colliding with animation, 
just happen to not line up, but the collision detection says that you do. Because there were a handful of times where I'm like, oh man, I should have fallen, I should have gotten hit, I should have missed my jump or whatever, and it was given to me, and it it felt good. Like, I saw it, and I was like, thank you. Thank you for just erring on the side of the player. But when those visuals line up in the opposite way, it feels so cheap. Like, you're so Mm -hmm. robbed. And granted, it didn't happen a lot, but I was like, oh, this is a risk of super expressive pixel animations with probably a fairly not simplistic, but not an overly sophisticated collision detection, right? Is like, it's probably still boxes bumping into other boxes. And so sometimes the animation in your box and the animation in the other box sure as hell don't look like they're colliding, but the boxes super did collide, right? Because in, in a couple frames or a couple frames ago, there would have been an obvious collision, but it just happened to not line up. And man, there were a few times where I was like just squeezing the crap out of my controller because it's like, <laughs> okay, I know that they've given me the benefit of the doubt the last 40 times, but this time they didn't give me the benefit of the doubt and I'm angry about it. So <laughs> as it's not it, generally, I think they handled this really well, but like when they missed the mark, it's just in such an obvious way that it's hard not to like grind your teeth over it. And then you just got to remember they mostly give you the benefit of the doubt. So it's okay. Okay. It's okay. Well, and also too, I think that, you know, and kind of what I said to you a while back, which was the collision detection is just again, off enough from Mario and Mario is what, what I know that like it, it did feel just and it's not sloppy but it felt sloppy you know um just because again it's not and i think the part of it and this may have just been the way that i was seeing it but because they are they are three dimensional right they're 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 flattened to two dimensional but they're kind of like they they're many times at at like three quarters view you mm-hmm. know so they still look three-dimensional. So I don't know if my brain is saying like, okay, well, I didn't hit his head because if you are thinking three-dimensionally, Marty, you know, like, <laughs> that, like I didn't really come in contact with him. If my brain was kind of like doing that back-end work on it to, to kind of throw that collision detection on there. But yeah, basically, long story short was that I, I, I didn't... There were a number of times when... I was loath to kind of touch a bad guy because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to, to hit just far enough in front of him that it's going to say he tagged me or if I'm still just high enough that where it's like I tagged him, you know, and especially when you when you bring into fact that when you're rolling, you're you tag everything, you know, like regardless, depending on enemy dependent, but, you know, where basically it doesn't matter if you're on top or beneath or whatever. If you're rolling, then then you tag them. So between all of that, like I, it, it felt a little just just un- it was uncanny. That's what it was. Is it was just just close enough, but a hair off to where I, I was a little hesitant to interact with some bad guys and kind of avoided it if I could. Yeah, and I I hadn't thought of this until the way you just described it. And this this is really more mechanical, so I'll just give it a mention for how it changes the level layout which is uh mario which this is obviously you know a derivative of um mario has to constantly be jumping because that's how you destroy most of your opponents maybe jay sonic that that's right sonic the hedgehog 
Uh, he does not have to be jumping. He can be rolling, and many enemies can be destroyed by rolling into them. Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong can jump on enemies like Mario or Sonic or roll into them like Sonic. The difference is you cannot roll endlessly. Like, Sonic mm-hmm. can just roll and roll and roll, whereas Donkey Kong can't. And what I think they did is, it, if you look at the way the levels are designed, they do not expect you to use rolling as an amateur player. Like, rolling is the way you deal with problems as you are a better player, because if you start your roll too early and then you come out of it right into an enemy, you die. And if you start your roll too late, then you actually you are not causing damage for the first couple frames of the roll. Like you have to go into the roll. It's not instantaneous like Sonic says. So the the roll is fairly advanced, right? And you can see it again. That animation is super expressive. You go into the roll or in Diddy Kong's case, you go into the cartwheel, you come out of it, right? And you're vulnerable during those big expressive starting and stopping motions. So it's, they really want you to interact with enemies more like Mario, but they kind of give you one of Sonic's weapons. It's a little, it it's it leads to some questionable situations where the the better and more familiar you get with the game, you start to ask like like oh I remember the spot. There's going to be three enemies down this hill. I should roll down this hill. I'm not going to jump down this hill. I'm going right. to roll down this hill. But like an amateur player, at least. I don't think would look at the level design and automatically think that, or at least there's way too much baggage from super Mario brothers to automatically think, Oh, I can roll like Sonic. Right. Uh, anything else for visuals? Uh, no onward and upward to audio. So the music is awesome, man. And I mean, like they kind of let you know right off the cuff that the music is going to be awesome. It, when, when, you know, it's got, cranky kong you know like like on the it's, the it's old, like a victrola <laughs> yeah on a victrola on the old you know scaffolding from the, the donkey kong canes to be like this isn't your grandfather's donkey kong you know i mean like basically and then just with the amazing donkey kong music and it just goes from there because and the reason why i the, the music really struck me as amazing not only with my nostalgia goggles of the boss music notwithstanding <laughs> is uh it's because the first time I was playing this, I was in an airport and I couldn't play it with the music on at all. So I was like, all righty, this is good. You know, I was, I was writing my notes. And then I played it again recently with the music on. I was like, music's amazing. Like, I would I would cue this up and listen to it in the car on my way to work. Like, it's good. It's good. It's good music. No, the, this music actually uh, made it onto my list of I'm going to go find a YouTube channel that is just this entire game soundtrack, which... Thank God there's a bunch of YouTube channels that literally all they do is have like hour long videos of the cover art from the game with, you know, the soundtrack to the game. So uh, for the the second week that we were playing this, uh, while I was working during the day at my normal job, I just had the Donkey Kong Country music on in the background. And then I actually went back into, uh, and I have this in my notes, so it's a coincidence that I already mentioned that uh, video games chat at work. I went in and I was just like, hey, um, this is going to seem like it's coming sort of out of left field, but 
the music in Donkey Kong Country is amazing. And just, like tw- <laughs> 20 people were just like, oh my God, it's so good. And they were like, Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3 also have amazing soundtracks. And this one guy was like, oh, I think Donkey Kong Country 2 is like the best music in any video game ever. And everyone like, but it wasn't combative. Like everyone was just celebrating how good this music is. <laughs> it was just like, That's awesome. I was like, yeah, this, this is nice. Like it's nice when something is not only really good and positive, but talking about it with other people also gets them right. Cause if you talk about like your favorite sports yeah. team, you're going to run into someone who their favorite sports team is the enemy of your favorite sports team. Right. But no one was saying like, Oh, Donkey Kong country two or three is the best one. You're stupid. If you like the first one or stupid, if you like that other one, it was just all this whole series is amazing. I love it. Oh my God. I'm going to go listen to it right now. Now I want to replay that game. Cause I'm just humming the music in my head. Like it was just so like effusive and positive. And I was like, yes, this is the love that this music deserves because it's amazing. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so uh, for music and sound effects in in, uh, in service of gameplay, uh, one of the things that I, I did notice is they do leverage sound effects for things that aren't immediately in your, your visual line. Um, I couldn't think of a, of a bunch of different places where they did it, but I know one place where they absolutely did do it is with the... Uh, donkey kong barrels you know so oh the, like, like to if, let you know player two is trapped in there yeah yeah players and and, and it uh, correct me if i'm wrong if there is nobody in there it doesn't make the sound i think you're right yeah yeah so you yeah. you can still grab the barrel and use it as a weapon but it doesn't you know draw you in with its siren song <laughs> which is good because i mean you know that's pretty critical i mean you know you can you can miss some bananas you can miss a thing of tnt because it's dynamite um you can miss uh you know a a whole bunch of different stuff in the game and it's not going to be world ending but if you miss those dk barrels like if you miss it's like missing mushrooms in mario which we'll get to later but like it's it's pretty substantial if you don't have that power up you know so the fact that they said okay we're not going to clutter up the the music the music with uh with tons of bizarre aberrant sound effects but we are going to pull you in with this one because it's so important that you find these barrels well i mean the the greater thing that's happening with the barrels is what i've listed in my notes as monkey noises because there's a lot of monkey noises and i kind of love all of them (laughs) when when you when you uh, die, there's funny monkey noises. When you stand idle for too long, there's funny monkey noises. When you switch, you know, who's in the lead, Donkey or Diddy Kong, there's funny monkey noises in the barrel. There's like, and you can tell which one of them is in the barrel because there's, you know, Donkey Kong makes different noises. Diddy Kong, like, there's just a lot of silly, but somehow still kind of believable, like, monkey noises. And there, would you would you say all of the monkey noises are as fun as a barrel of monkeys? No, I would say all of the monkey noises are as fun as a barrel of monkey, singular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's there's never more than one. <laughs> um, Did you remember those? I mean, as we're always we're talking about nostalgic stuff, do you remember those barrels of monkeys, uh, man? Yeah, dude, I played with those for hours. Anyways, we we actually we had uh, a set of those for my older daughter when she was much smaller and. I don't know what happened to them. Those those must have gone away in a bag of toys that she didn't really play with. And we probably donated them to like another family or a Goodwill or something. But 
Yeah, like I think I remember pretty clearly. No, that's why those toys went away. Because when I sat down to play with Emily, I played with the barrel of monkeys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they're fun. Um, but yeah, I just I like, I like. The, I'm sure this sounds like an incredibly silly thing to be like excited about, but I they it adds a lot of tone and like theming to the game that it's like there's all these silly. It, it's kind of like once you know Mario games got sound effects for mario where you know yahoo like that tells you a lot about yeah. what mario's like and his character in those sounds and they did the exact same kind of thing with Donkey kong they were like oh you know donkey kong's like big but he's still like kind of goofy and like diddy kong is little but he's like kind of scrappy so his are like higher pitched and like a little bit more aggressive like there's a lot of character in those ridiculous little monkey sounds and i, I love them i love them all well, and kind of what you're hitting on is the overall, from my see, is the overall aesthetic and theming of the, the game, which is it's supposed to be lighthearted and fun. You know, it's not supposed to be this, you know, like, it's not it's not dark. It's not Legend of Zelda 2. It's not like <laughs> a, a complete, <laughs> it's not a complete, like, like, uh, dark, it's not a dark journey. It's It's fun. It's lighthearted, you know? So... You know, like all of the, like you said before, all the expressions are super expressive. The sound effects are super fun and kind of jovial. You know, it's just, it's 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 a lighthearted, fun game. Like you get the feeling that even though Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong are upset that they have lost their horde and they are going to go get it, they are not these you know rage filled you know gorillas on the, on the chase or on the move. They're 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 having a good time. You know. Well, and to your your fantasizing about socialism. Um, I, I think this is actually, <laughs> this is an important detail that defeats that kind of application, right? Cause th- this is a very well-worn, we have done this ourselves many times, like take something adult and apply it to something childish and see what themes and stuff you can like squeeze out of that rock. And generally I think that's pe- a lot of people take it way too seriously, but generally I think it's fine. Um, what I've never really thought of before is part of a playful universe is that the stakes are lowered throughout the universe, right? Like cartoon characters are ageless, which also means like a lot of other, there's a lot of implications when cartoon characters don't age. Like that also means that their wounds heal instantly, like faster than Wolverine because they're just (laughs) magical ageless creatures. And that means that this is probably a world of infinite bananas, right? So Donkey Kong having a million bananas doesn't hurt the local banana economy because everyone could have a million bananas if they want. What he's upset about is that someone took his bananas. Not that they took bananas. Go get all the bananas you want. They took his bananas everywhere. Yeah, friggin', I'm, I'm collecting bananas on my way to get my bananas back like this, right? So like that's that kind of silliness i think there's a subtext to silly you know fun visuals and silly fun sound effects that's like the stakes here are i was playing in the sandbox and while i wasn't looking that kid took my toy not i was playing in the sandbox and then we all got a horrible disease and died because (laughs) life is impermanent and the only thing that exists is entropy right like right and all we are is a momentary drop of entropy yeah and like i'm not i'm not explicitly trying to argue with you but i actually think this is an intentional subtext whenever a game designer chooses to have you know silly visuals and silly sound effects is like 
hey man, the stakes are low. You're just like, we wouldn't have all these silly monkey sounds in here if things were like dangerous. Like it's just, it's fine. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, to be fair, it's, is none of the, the visuals or anything or, or the sound effects are, are such to, to lend any sort of, I mean, it's not 28 days later or anything like that, you know? <laughs> so when they're kind of, when they're kind of, 28 bananas later. Um, so when they're, they're going through, it's uh it is does have a feel of a rivalry to it you know is it it's like you know king k rule doesn't like donkey kong so he decided to do something mean to donkey kong and he didn't murder donkey kong in his sleep or <laughs> you know or even even kidnap a loved one or anything like that it was just like look i'm taking all your bananas and it's like how dare you i shall get my bananas back and then you know and like even when they're hitting the bad guys and stuff like that, uh, you know, it's it's they just kind of like get like knocked off of the stage, you know. So it's it's not like they die, you know, like Mario th- dies. They just they yeah, just fall away. They just fall, they just fall away. But I mean, even I would say that some of the visuals of this game are even we're straying back into visuals, but some of the visuals <laughs> of this game are even not as egregious as. Super Mario World and Super Mario World is definitely like mostly a fun, lighthearted adventure, right? But like when Donkey Kong hits these things, they're just getting knocked off the side of the stage. Like he's like sweeping them out of the way. He's like, get out of the way. I got to go get my bananas. As opposed to when Mario, you know, curb stomps a turtle and it goes flying out of its shell, (laughs) homeless and cold, you know, its spine still wriggling within the shell itself as Mario picks up. The, the the piece of the turtle to hurl it at it and then knock it off the screen. I'd say that that's way more visceral than uh, than anything going on here. So yeah, I think you you think you may have sold me that this is more of a, a playful rivalry than a, a high stakes uh, you know <laughs> fight for the the community's bananas. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's there's a lot of things that are hard to overlook, right? Mario getting shot in the face with a fireball is hard to <laughs> hard to be silly about unless you just apply cartoon logic, right? But even, and I swear to God, I'm going to tie this back to audio, and I'm here. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, not yeah. not only do yeah. the enemies just gently fly off the screen, the exact way the heroes often die in video games, right? Um, which notably Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong do not; they stay on screen when they die. Um, but actually, the first hit you take they run off screen and then the second hit you fall down and make a funny face. But the audio thing is they make like a silly death noise, like the big soldiers with like the gold stomachs and the, the, the like army, you know, American style army helmets, mm-hmm. you know, they go like, and they like fly off the screen and like the, the smaller critters usually make like a, and they like fly off the screen. Like it's, it's, you know, nobody's like, it's no Wilhelm screams. Nobody's, you know, ah. doubled over in agony, right? Even even the death of the enemies, which are usually the more easy places to apply that kind of like visceral, gritty darkness if you want to, to go to that well, even that is kind of taken away from you because down to the sound effects, it's just kind of like no big deal. And and I have to say, because now we have to talk about sound since we've gone way off track, um, I would be super remiss uh, if we don't talk about how the music in this is not just phenomenally good music, but unlike a lot of games, particularly the Mario games, uh, that this is obviously drawing so much from, the music really takes a backseat. It's 
Mm. It's super subtle and atmospheric. It's there are not a lot of bombastic melodies. Even the boss areas, there's like if you look at the dynamic range, it's huge. Like there's a lot of quiet spots and then like some loud spots and then like goes back down to being quiet. Like there's just this this kind of like humbleness to this music, which is maybe why like some people didn't take stock of it when they were kids or if they played this game is it's just, it's really not in your face. And to the point where when I was listening to the YouTube video of the soundtrack, I actually had to like balance the audio on my computer that I could have the music loud enough. Cause I, I wanted to hear it. Like I wanted it to be really loud without everything else on my computer being super loud. So like it's, it, it, it doesn't want to be the star of the show. It, it wants to just provide feelings and set the tone for the, the theme of the area you're in, right? When you're on the pirate ship, you get the pirate music. When you're in the boss fight, you get the boss music. But none of them are like, hey, notice me, right? And that's, it's, it's not a good or bad thing objectively, but subjectively, I think it was smart of them to make a, a distinct choice from a Sonic or a Mario where the music is very much the star of the show and you're super aware that it's happening all the time. This music is, is just there to make the world feel more thematic and interesting. Yeah, no, I, 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 I would agree with that in this, in the sense that, um, and to be fair, you're, <laughs> you're kind of like, like, again, with my, my knowledge of music, you know, you're, you're saying like, oh, I, I really love the way that the souffle comes together with the cream and a beautiful pas de deux of taste and texture. And I'm like, I liked it, you know, so, it was good. It was good. I liked the way it tastes. I, I was sad when it was gone. You know? like, so I, I, w- I, I would agree with you, but. I don't think I could have said it nearly as well as you could have. <laughs> Yay, I contributed. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't have much else for audio. Do you? Do you? No, I'm I'm ready to go on to controls and mechanics, but I do want to uh, specifically call out a control thing because this is mechanical, but it's it's related to the way the controller feels like it's operating. Um, it it's no mistake that we've been likening this to Super Mario World this whole time, right? Because this game, I realized after playing it for a little bit, I was like, oh, Wario isn't the series they went to to try weird Mario stuff. Donkey <laughs> Kong Country is the series they went to to try weird Mario stuff. Like, I think in the Game Boy era, they wanted it to be Wario, and then they decided not to do that. And we ended up getting the Donkey Kong Country series, which is where basically all the weird non-Mario things happen, and it's, you know, that's whatever. Nintendo needs multiple franchises, but it's so... I mean, Mario and Donkey Kong literally share a universe. It's really hard not to think, oh, this is like a Mario game. It is a platformer from Nintendo, and every time your expectations are violated, that can cause some cognitive dissonance. And one of the very first places you notice that the second you start playing this game is the controls feel really slippery if you are expecting him to handle like Mario. He super doesn't. And if you actually look at the controls, you know, kind of in their correct context, I think they actually handle pretty tightly 
It's just that Donkey Kong is a big ass and he doesn't move as precisely as Mario does because he's not supposed to. He's supposed to have momentum and to feel big and he doesn't jump as high as Diddy Kong does and he doesn't move quite as fast, right? But he picks up barrels faster because he's big and strong. So like they obviously thought a lot about how he controls, but those controls will always feel terrible if you are likening him to Mario, which I was doing at first and had to force myself to stop doing. So, okay, this this is going to show my my own ignorance. What is Rare's relationship to Nintendo? So they were an independent publisher that had a buddy relationship with Nintendo. So Nintendo obviously owns the intellectual property for Donkey Kong, and they allowed Rare to be the developer of a a game that they owned the intellectual property for, and then they acted as the publisher. So that's that Rare doesn't own Donkey Kong or anything. Nintendo does, but they just allowed Rare to develop a game using their intellectual property. Later, Rare went on to famously be acquired by Microsoft and then may had several hilariously terrible games come out and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse over time probably because they were mismanaged not because the studio was suddenly filled with morons i'm sure they were the same human beings they just didn't have maybe the same passion or they didn't have the same resources or whatever but rare made good games for nintendo because nintendo is very choosy about who they will allow to make games starring their franchise characters when you were talking about that, I wanted to make sure that I, I fully understood the relationship between those two companies. Um, one thing that I, I wanted to, to bring up is that I think that very much so in line with, with Mario, um, the first level is like almost a how-to on a tutorial. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Like, basically, you know, you, you come out and... It, it, it introduces all of the mechanics in a way where you are so unlikely to miss them. You know, like you're almost certainly going to hit that secret that pops out the the tire. You know, can you miss it? Yeah. Are you likely to? No. Um, you get to ride a rhinoceros, so they let you know, like, hey, sometimes riding other things is going to be a thing. Um, you know, they they introduce so many of the core game mechanics just one right after another in a very quick, clean, easy, digestible way, right on the first level, you know? And then the next levels, they kind of trickle feed you some additional mechanics, like the uh, like they show you ropes, like the entire second level is all about the ropes, you know? And so then now you've got that under your belt. And they, they continue on, but yeah, I was really impressed with the first level. They show you um, like how the power-ups work, uh, all that good stuff. So the I, collectibles, I that, they force they basically yep. force you to collect all the kong letters like you would have to actively avoid them so they they force you to learn that that's a thing in the world like it's it's really good yeah no it's it's a very very well uh well crafted first first level and you mentioned the kong thing so it kind of jumps into another note that i had um which is uh and this is this is kind of this is it's not a bad thing a lot of games do this but it's it's something where i always kind of feel like eh, it's a little bit of a missed opportunity, which is there's a whole lot of different collectibles in this game, right? Um, you collect there's, bananas. There's a collect- lot of different things that give you bonuses, right? But the only things that you actually collect, I think, are bananas and the Kong letters. Because like, if you collect the, the animal 
the gold animal statues, that's actually a key into a bonus stage. Where you collect other golden statues. Which then immediately translate to extra lives. Like you don't you don't stock them it, up. It all translates to extra lives. Yeah, that's true. I don't I don't really have any way to push back on that now. <laughs> sort of sort of scrambling. <laughs> I don't like the way that this feels. <laughs> so I don't want to agree with you, but I can't disagree. Yeah, yeah so, that, I mean, that's, that's true. That's... Everything you pick up eventually amounts to extra lives. Right. And so and that's fine. You know, I mean and, and I'll definitely kind of give like a an asterisk to the you collect gold, you know, like uh animal idols that let you go play a mini game which is a difference in kind so like you get to go do a separate thing which is nice but then the thing that you do there gives you lives you know so again that's fine um but uh but you know like i i I think that a lot of the times if you're going to have different collectibles they should power different things you know like oh this collectible gives you lives but this collectible um you know, maybe can be exchanged for something else, whether it's uh, maybe it, you you use it to access, um, uh, you know, like a different area or it gives you different abilities that you can purchase or, or whatever, you know. Or, and if that's not the case, then then don't don't have the different collectible, just have it all in the same currency, you know. Yeah, this is this is a tough one because. I I agree with you in terms of efficiency but i wonder if there's anything on the psychology side of Mm. the bananas are that's your your common currency right that's everywhere and then the the golden animal statues are hidden and if you get them because they are hard to come by if you get them then you can go to the bonus area which you can get tons of extra lives just in your short time in that bonus area right and it, it feels good because there's like a billion things on the screen and we actually have seen that mechanic come back later in uh, the new Super Mario Brothers games where it's just like gold coins everywhere just literally every single piece of of free space tiled with a gold coin right just like inflation that would make Venezuela cry and I'm sorry, Venezuelans Um, dark. (laughs) They're having a bad time of it down there. Um, But I I do think that having multiple kinds of thing to get, even if they all sort of lead to the same outcome is there is probably some psychological reason for that distribution, even though they all lead to extra lives. What pisses me off is that when you save your game, it does not save how many extra lives you had. And I I don't know why so many games from this era do that because this game really gives you everything you collect, as you said, leads to extra lives. So there's a lot of opportunities for a go-getter to get up to 10, 15, 20 lives like I had one time before I saved and went to have lunch. And then I came back and was like, oh, where did they go? (laughs) All for naught. And and again, that kind of comes back to like if all of the extra currencies, you know, go into lives and then that's lost, It to me, it it just kind of... And again, I I can... very much so this can just be a difference in taste you know that's why i'm not saying like this is a terrible thing i'm like look man it's just it's just not my thing which is where uh you know because i tend to be very machiavellian in this sense where it's just kind of like oh okay so what you're telling me is that every time i save 
I will always be at five lives. I could be at zero lives or at 50 lives. I will always be at five lives. So that means that every time I save, if I am below five lives, I should immediately go kill myself until I am <laughs> back into until I reload, you know, and then I'm back up to five lives or just reload the save. Um, I guess that would have been the fastest way to do that, but that's not the point. <laughs> Um, and if I and so then by extension, then if I if I work really hard to get all of these secrets and get all these extra levels and then get all these extra lives, it's it's all lost like tears in the rain, you know, so so it disincentivizes me to go to go do those things outside of the sheer joy of doing them, which is super high the first couple of times and then kind of peters out a little bit, you know, so I found myself not really caring too much about collecting the golden statues because i'm like yeah i did a couple of those levels they were fun and you know nothing wrong with them but ultimately all they're giving me is lives and i'm gonna lose those lives the minute that i save the game and walk away from it so when I, if i don't want to do it I, there's no point i think therein lies the rub is you have to go out of your way to get this extra stuff right it's it is obscured mm-hmm. like very much so and did you beat the game on this playthrough I did not. Okay, so I did. And when you do, one of the things you see during the credits is uh, Cranky Kong just breaking the fourth wall just all over the place. He is super aware that he's in a video game. And one of the things that he says to you... Maybe that's why he's cranky. Yeah, I'm trapped in this hell. Um, (laughs) I have to take orders from a five-year-old. Look at you. One of the things he says to you is that uh, if you haven't found, like, if you didn't 100% the game, he basically makes fun of you for the percentage that you got. And he says that he 100% of the game and he did it in less than an hour. And when I looked back at my save file, I was like, two and a half hours. I beat this game in two and a half hours? It felt longer yeah. than that. I Is this meant to be played in one sitting? I think it is. I, I honestly, I and I think that's part of why the lives continue to have value because what they're expecting you to do is to amass a lot of lives and then play for like an hour right and then maybe when Mm -hmm. you run out of lives is when you stop not because you're like oh crap i have to go to work right right and and i mean that's i'm i'm swinging with not a tremendous sum of evidence on my side but (laughs) but i think that's kind of what's happening is because you and i were playing in more frequent shorter bursts being able to acquire a lot of lives relatively easily and through secret discovery lost a lot of its appeal for us because we just always had five lives because we always had five lives. But if you said, I'm going to sit down and play Donkey Kong country for like several hours and just pour over levels, throwing myself down pits to look for hidden barrels and jumping off ledges to look for secret areas, things that would potentially kill you in your exploration, then building up all of those extra lives would actually be beneficial, right? Whereas you and I, that that is not the play experience that I think either of us were having. And so the ability to buy more Kong heads lost all of its, all of its incentive. Right. And I think that, and this kind of leads nicely into a, another note that I had, which was um, there, there is, and this is a, a, a compliment. There are so many different mechanical challenges in this game. Like, you know, it's not just, I mean, if you look at, classic mario mario the super mario brothers right um it's running and jumping you know you run and you jump on this thing and then you run and you jump on some other things and you run and you jump and you run and jump uh but like this one you know you can run you can jump you can cartwheel you can there's part, portions where like a uh a, 
uh, line is going horizontally and you've got to move up and down the line to try to do that. Sometimes it's timing on barrels. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, trying to time an arc right, a jump right, uh, uh, jumping off of a, a, a rope onto another rope, sometimes jumping off of a rope onto a secret area. Like there's so many different mechanical challenges. And to now bring it back to what we we're talking about before, which is that with all of those different mechanical challenges that they put into it, I do think that they could have just added a little bit of extra spice with the different collectibles. And and I would have definitely, I agree with you that bananas, their coins translate them to lives. Good to go. That no, no, no notes there. Right. Uh, I do like that the, you know, even the, the collecting the three to go to a mini stage and then that gives you a lot of extra lives. Like that's, that's also great because there's a difference in kind in how you're collecting it. That's great. But like the Kong, I would say like, okay, when you collect Kong, then you get, a rhino you know or whatever the the thing you know like you just you would normally never get the rhino like there's no rhino there's no way to have a rhino at that point in the stage but you get a rhino or uh you become the kong you know and like <laughs> you know i mean they've already got so many different ways that would where they suddenly pivot on how you're interacting with the world i don't think that's beyond the game's ability mechanically you know but if you like collect kong then you even you just become invincible which, you know or something game, like that like just, as far as i know does not have there is no um, invincibility yeah there's no yeah. superstar equivalent for all of the other mario parallels there's no superstar equivalent yeah, but I mean, if if when it said, um, if I collected Kong, if literally they just made the sprite fifty percent bigger and made me invincible, <laughs> like that would have been awesome. You totally. Know? So, <laughs> so yes, and like I said, like it's not it's not world ending. It's certainly not singular to this game where I'm like, I can't believe this game did this, or or as you so aptly put before, it's not like this is so embarrassing for rare. <laughs> you know, like it's not it's not that at all. It's it's very much so just kind of a once I noticed that like. I, I literally saw the man behind the curtain. I'm like, oh, it's all lives. Maybe I don't need to indulge in certain portions of this game that I'm not finding entertaining. You know, because yeah, I mean, that's that's the explorer, right? Like, you, yeah. you you do it not for the lives, but for the thrill of find, right? It's 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 a uh, stealing's about the stuff, Morty, not about stealing. Like, it's in, <laughs> in this case, like the exploring for you, the exploring was about the reward and once you realize the reward had no value the exploring had no value right which is fine because they don't they in no way shove it down your throat like there are even some times where it's like oh i can tell because the way this platform is that there must be a special thing over there and i don't give a crap so i'm gonna keep going right like you you can absolutely play the game to completion and have a totally satisfying experience as long as you're willing to let cranky kong like crap all over your and the way you enjoyed the game but otherwise (laughs) if if i cared about what my elders thought of me i wouldn't be where i am today (laughs) good (laughs) yeah right the real nebulous statement (laughs) um but i i do i i like to me that is the right way to deploy secrets and collectibles in your game is let me enjoy them if i want and ignore them if i want because you once you realized you could ignore them you didn't have like a sense of guilt right once I realized that I couldn't carry my lives beyond a save, if I knew I had a longer time to play, I would care more about collecting lives. And if I had less of a time to play, I would ignore that mechanic. So it was it, being aware of the impact it has on your game experience means you can enjoy it or not, but it's not 
shoved down your throat in a way that's like, oh, well, if you're not doing this, you're not really playing the game right. Like, that's not really how the designers intended it to be played. You're kind of doing it wrong. Because some games do get that preachy. This game is not preachy. No, it is not that. Um, I had one final note for mechanics. We touched on it briefly before. Um, So, okay. So, the the, the Kong barrels are the, the mushrooms of this game, right? Yeah, essentially. Yep. Yeah, because basically, what do, what do they do? They give you an extra hit point, mm-hmm. right? Ultimately. So now here's the interesting thing, and is that two two things. One is that I was like, okay, so there are mushrooms, but no fire flowers. <gasps> but there are fire flowers. You know what the fire flowers are? The steel barrel. The animals. Oh yeah, it, yeah, they, duh. <laughs> yeah, they give you an extra ability, right? Like something that you couldn't do normally, and yet another hit point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so like, I was just kind of happy with myself. So that, that's the base level observation. It's like, oh, so mechanically it's, it's the same, right? So that's kind of cool that they, that they, again, you know, like it's, it's Mario, but it's its own flair, you know? But the, the one thing I was going to write is I was like, but, you know, the thing that Mario does that, that Donkey Kong doesn't is that Mario, when you get hit, you shrink, which makes it way less likely for you to, you know, get hit again. So, you know, Mario did it better. But then I realized, wait. They, they do that same thing because Diddy Kong is smaller and faster. than Donkey Kong and faster, right? So that means that, but the weird, interesting mechanic where I think they actually did it better than Mario is you can switch which one you want to use. So if you want to lead with small Mario and still have two hit points and like front end that, so that way, like, you know, like you're, you're way more likely to be successful. But then if you become unsuccessful, you're way less likely to be <laughs> successful. Or you can you can front load it the way that Mario did by putting Donkey Kong in front and then having Diddy Kong trail behind. So the fact that it gives you that mechanical advantage to be like, look, I'm going to lead with my best foot, and if I get hit, then I am probably screwed. Or uh, you know what, I'm going to keep that nominal buffer so that way, like, I'm going to do pretty pretty well, and then if I get hit, then I have a greater chance of success. They give you that option, which is fascinating to me, and I think uh, and I think pretty cool and pretty well done. Well, and it, it's it also gave them design options that just merely an additional hit point wouldn't afford you so like donkey kong can do the the ground pound you know where he like slaps the ground Mm -hmm. and that is a way to reveal secrets that are in the ground the other way to reveal secrets in the ground is to fall on that spot from a great height right so diddy kong or donkey kong can open up secrets that way but only donkey kong can open them while he's on the ground so you Mm -hmm. have an exploration advantage as donkey kong that you don't really have as diddy kong also there are enemies that uh, donkey kong is heavy enough to defeat by jumping on them but diddy kong will just bounce off of and most of the time that's not that big of a deal but then there's those stages where like you're just on a little platform that's moving and then eventually mm-hmm. enemies fall like onto the platform and Eventually, eventually, one of the enemies that falls onto the platform cannot be defeated by Diddy Kong. And so that becomes a massive threat. If you are leading with Donkey Kong, then you can defeat that enemy. If you're leading with Diddy Kong or if you've lost Donkey Kong, you are screwed because it it doesn't (laughs) allow you to switch on the moving platform because there's like a cute little animation that plays when the characters switch. And normally that cute little animation stops time, which they won't allow you to do when you're on an auto scrolling platform. So if you get to that area with Diddy Kong, that is a far more complicated platforming challenge than if you get to that area with Donkey Kong. 
in a way that just having one less hit point would be harder, right? Like if, if you imagine like in Super Mario yeah. Brothers with like the spinning, like fire, you know, s- mm-hmm. stick things, what do you call those? Fire. Spinning fire stick Yeah, things. those. Um, if you yeah. if you imagine like jumping through those with Big Mario is harder because you are physically larger, but you you still if you get hit you get hit either way. But imagine if you touch them with Big Mario and you just continued to sail through. You lost your hit point, but like it didn't arrest your momentum. Whereas if you got hit as small Mario, it sent you flying back, and then they expected you to recover, right? Instead of it just killing right. you. So there's. There's a lot in, again, the mechanic has a lot in common with its obvious forebear, but they, by deploying it in a different way, they didn't just put a different coat of paint on it. It actually afforded them different opportunities, which they then use in things like level design and like how you're going to interact with the world. Do I not, do I just want to be a larger target or a smaller target? Do I want to be a stronger, slower character or a smaller, faster, but weaker character? It's, it's, it's more. There, there's more nuance to it in some areas and less in others, right? It, they, it's a set of trade-offs, but they, they actually then act on those trade-offs, which is big thumbs up. Instead of just changing it and being like, hey, it's slightly different, but we're going for the same yeah. thing. It's like, no, no, it's inspired by, right? It's it's it's, it's right. Asian fusion. It's not grocery store <laughs> Chinese. Well, and also I think that kind of, what you're hitting on it and, and I'm kind of coming up with this on the fly. Um, I'd love to pretend like, Oh no, I noticed this on my own, <laughs> but uh, um, is, uh, is that one is one is environment driven. The other one's player driven, right? So in super Mario, even in super Mario world and super Mario world doesn't have a couple of ways that big Mario can interact with the world different than small Mario. The one that comes to mind is he can destroy, he can spin, destroy those blocks mm-hmm. and, uh, and small Mario can't. Um, but that being said, is that, you know, your goal in Super Mario World is to always be big Mario. There's really, you know, like, yes, being small Mario does afford you to move, you know, through areas a little bit faster. But that's like an advantage that's just been given to you that you, you'll you take because, you know, you got hit. Like, you'll take it. But it's not the clear advantage. Whereas um, in Donkey Kong, it's player driven like you you, the two different kongs are tools that you are trying to use to solve different puzzles whereas like you can't go between being big and small mario in order to problem solve you know so the fact that it's player driven as opposed to so one's player driven where like i decide what which tool is the correct one for this for this job and the advantage the advantage state is having both of them you know, the disadvantage state is having one. Whereas uh, the environment, the, the Mario one is almost entirely environment driven, where you, I always want to be big Mario, which is the advantage state. Well, and you can pat yourself on the back because in the later Donkey Kong Country games uh, on the Super Nintendo and beyond uh, to the more modern ones, um, the characters are even more different from each other than Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong. And the levels are designed around that fact. You know, this Excellent. this character can do this and that character can do that. And you need both of those abilities to solve these puzzles in the character-specific way. And sometimes you need both of the characters to accomplish this particular goal, right? So there's they, they dip their, you know, foot into that idea here, right? Like, oh, we're going to modify from Super Mario World. Similar, you know, extra hit point, similar kind of mechanic, but... 
how are we going to express that in a way that matters in universe as opposed to just you took a hit but you didn't immediately die and then they they realized that that was good and they wanted to do more of it and they did expand on it later so i i think you're absolutely right is they they took the extra hit point advantage and made it matter mechanically and then gave that to the player right which actually kind of masks what it is cuz in super mario it's definitely you can take one hit before dying whereas in donkey kong country it's you can take one hit before dying, but also it matters for all these other reasons. And then later that the other reasons became the main reason, right? It, it matters right. mechanically. And also you can take one hit before you die. Right. So they, they, they flipped it. <laughs> they flipped it on. Um, that's actually really all I've got for, for mechanics. Um, so I just have a couple short notes that I, I want to make sure I throw out there. Cause they're things that I, I think are really important to mention, um, even if they're not deep conversations. Uh, enemies respawn in this game, but only sometimes, and it annoys me. Um, it's Agreed. Sometimes when the camera scrolls, they respawn. Other times they don't, and it annoys me. Um, another thing yep. that made that problem stand out is uh, the camera is either too close on this for my liking or Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong are too big for my liking. I, I feel like the amount of the screen they take up and I didn't mention this in visuals because it matters so much more mechanically than visually. It looks fine, but there were a lot of times where I was like, I really wish I had a slightly wider field of view and that my characters weren't gigantic. Yeah. Right. So there, there was just like, it's not, again, it's not experience ruining, but it, it feels like a choice that isn't ideal and I can, I can put some money down on that. The developers agree with me because in later games, they pulled the camera back. So it, yep. it's just, it's weird. Um, I really love that boss stages are their own stage so that you can just retry the mm. boss over and over and over. Like you don't have to go through a level and then fight the boss. Mm -hmm. That felt like a fantastically smart deviation from Super Mario world where it's like, oh, you got to go through the castle before you can fight, you know, Ludwig or whatever. It's like, Nope, straight to Ludwig. Like it's amazing. Yeah, no. Uh, so to your, your second point, I agree with that. And I would not have been able to articulate it that well. But it is where for me, it manifested with just being generally a little afraid of moving too quickly, mm -hmm. because an enemy would appear. And unless I was really paying close attention, they would appear and nail me before I could react because I just I couldn't see them. Um, and, and yeah, couldn't agree more with bosses being their own stage. It is exhausting when you have to go <laughs> slog through you know and i can't believe we almost got through a whole episode and i didn't mention cycle time um but when you gotta when you gotta slog through this whole stage to get to the part that you screwed up which is the boss is just exhausting it is frustrating and exhausting so the fact it's like did you did you fail the boss try the boss again just that's it that that is fantastic yeah. and because when you die, you out of necessity died alone, right? Because if there were the two, <laughs> yeah, because every, everybody dies alone. See, that's dark. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is dark. But Well, the one thing I always hate is when people are like, you know, you come into this world, you're, you're definitely going to die. You come into this world alone and, you're, and you'll die alone. And I remember somebody saying that to me one time. I was like, you, you don't come into the world alone. At a bare minimum, <laughs> there is one other person present. That's true. Like generally, <laughs> in modern times, there's many people present, but there's there's at least one. No, you definitely don't come into the world alone. You may go out alone. You cannot come into the world alone. You can't come in alone. It's like the the his dad abandoned him, and his mom left him before he was born. How how did she do that? <laughs> <laughs> 
There's a that makes me think hey, of another Family Guy reference, but it's a really blue joke, and so I'm not going to quote it here. But I think you probably know the one I'm talking about with cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's really unsavory, no. but the delivery makes it, it funny. It is. Um, <laughs> so I I think the uh, you, you actually you made me. We've been playing off of each other more than I expected, which I love because this is like a little co-op game where it's like two people. So like it's, oh, and, yeah, and, it's, and it's like you're, you're, you're like the big muscular. So you would be Donkey Kong and I would definitely be. Diddy oh Kong. man, do we could totally rock that costume? Yeah, no, we're, that's, that's going to happen on an upcoming Halloween. So, <laughs> so, so um, what the real question is, will you wear a skin suit or will you just actually go naked with nothing but a tie? Ooh, yeah. That 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 depends on where I'm at in my career at that particular cross section. That's fair. Um, but the the thing you just made me realize is you said that because the camera is kind of in close, you felt a little hesitance toward barreling forward. And nice, <laughs> I got one. And <laughs> and I think that they may actually be expecting you to deal with that problem with the roll or cartwheel, like mm. that you aren't supposed to be afraid of running into enemies because you can just hit the roll button and roll through them. You don't have to jump on them the way Mario would. Whereas with Mario, you need to have time to, you know, properly arc your jump. So the camera needed to be a little further back. The problem is, pushing the camera way in doesn't just make enemies harder. It also makes platforming challenges harder. So yep. it, if even if they're expecting you to use the role to deal with enemies suddenly appearing on screen, which by the way, there are some enemies like the little, you know, snapping croc things that you can't roll into. So it's not a, it's not an always problem solver. Um, although they do, mm-hmm. alert, they, uh, they announce themselves with that clicking before they come on screen, which is nice, but it, it's not an always problem solver and it makes platforming challenges noticeably harder. So I'm, I'm glad that in later games they pulled the camera back because of of all the things that I liked and disliked, that was the one, the camera being in too tight and the way it affected how I moved through the world was the one thing that I was like, this, this hasn't felt like it's ever been good. This feels like every time I've noticed it, I've been noticing it in a bad way. Whereas other things I was like, oh, this sometimes is good. Sometimes it's bad. Not every decision works out, but the, the close cropped camera, I was like, no, this, this one's always bad. This one's just bad. Uh, anything else? Um, yeah, my, my one bit of uh, random feedback is, uh, so there's like a relatively new Donkey Kong Country game that came out on the Wii U, yep. and then they re-released on the Switch because nobody bought a Wii U, and uh, yep. playing this made me really want to go buy that game, so I haven't yet, but I'm probably gonna, because I love Mario games, yeah. and I love modern Mario games, and I never got to play Donkey Kong 64, so I'd really like to see if the Donkey Kong Country series had as healthy and successful of uh, an evolution over time as the Mario games did as they, they went on. Well, what you should do is you should post a poll and say, like, you know, if if more than X number of people um, say, yes, we should play it, then I'll go buy it and we'll play it as a new nostalgia game. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, that's how we're going to get some audience engagement. It's going to be good. I'm telling you, you got to <laughs> drum it up. <laughs> but uh but yeah so in, in your mind in in your expert opinion did it hold up for me it did i i i wrestled with like well there's a few things that i kind of found annoying um mostly though they were kind of on me 
Um, once I stopped trying to make Donkey Kong move like Mario, I really, like, my platforming instantly got better. The way I interacted with bosses and enemies instantly got better. Like, I, once I took it for what it was and not what I was trying to make it into, I had a much better experience with the platforming. Um, the visuals are dated. They, they did not pursue this style of faux 3D, but they're, they're not, it's not eye bleach, right? Like it's, it's fine. They're just not, they're just <laughs> super dated. And the, and the music honestly would redeem almost any failing because it's that good. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, agreed. No nostalgia goggles required. It's, it's, it's a great game. It's fun. It's fun platforming. It is, it is its own thing and it does take some getting used to It's It's almost like inverted controls where you can get, you can get used to like the inverted Y, you know, where you can get used to it, but you know, you got to sit down and, put some energy into getting used to it so i wouldn't say if you were just off of a 50 hour you know mario speed run campaign like don't 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 pick this one up but uh but honestly with as as good as this game is and as widely popular as it is it's no surprising nobody forgot about dk the curtain falls the music plays the credits roll then it all fades to black and you're left by yourself The fanfare is gone There's no player two There by your side to share victories won But as you slowly progress Down the hall to your bed A few great events Leak back into your head From the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil Fighting the darkness Just sword in hand Your memories creeping With the edge of a smile You realize again What you've lost for a while You're gonna think back much less On how you saved the day Bye.